Fuel for freedom. Add a spark to your day or night. You get to choose which best serves you. Introducing Tony Rusing. Welcome. My name is Tony Rusing, and it's a privilege to be able to come to you in this medium. For a long time, I've done workshops and seminars and some coaching. And what I'd like to do today is share with you a piece of information I think that can be very, very useful. We're going to do it with a little drawing here. So we're going to start by asking you a, a rhetorical question. I'm going to put this up here and say to you, what's wrong with that circle? And I'm going to answer the question, the question, what's wrong with that circle? The answer being that it's not complete. Human beings like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when they have that, they have the symmetry of a conversation. They have a symmetry of a project they've been working on because it started, it had a middle, and it had an end. So we're going to use this little circle here to illustrate some things that I think can be very helpful to you when you start communicating and interacting with others, especially in this time because things have changed, and the way we communicate is different than it was just a few months ago. We all remember that time when we could shake hands and hug each other. We can't do that anymore right now. Hopefully, we'll get back to that. But in the meantime, let's look at some mechanics, some things that go on inside your head that can help you more effectively communicate with others in every situation. So let's imagine for a moment that this represents your brain, your head, right up here, the frontal eminence of your brain. We're going to give you some things that we know is situated up there. One thing we know for sure is that you have a set of beliefs. And those beliefs were established when you were a youngster. And they change a little bit through life, through the life cycle. You get to be a teenager you have a set of beliefs. You get to be a young adult, same thing happens. And as you move through your life, you get married, you have kids, all those things that happen to us, your career goes forward. Your belief system is adjusting in subtleties, but the fundamental part of who you are, the fundamental part of your belief system is pretty much locked in by the time you're 12, 14 years old. And that set of beliefs causes you to create for yourself a set of values. So let's put that up here. Your values are based upon your belief system, and that does change a lot in your lifetime. For an example, when you're a youngster, you can't wait to get a driver's license and, and the freedom of driving a car. And then you go a little bit further down that path, you get into your 20s, and, and now you can enjoy uh, and indulge in adult beverages, for an example. And so you, you value things as you go through your life. And I remember when I was a youngster, when I was in my 20s, I had to have a sports car. I loved Corvettes, and I could not wait to buy one. And I saved some money, I bought the car, and I loved every moment I spent in that fast, fun vehicle. It was a great time. And then I got married. I had some kids and I ended up with a minivan. Why? <laughs> because if you're hauling around five kids, you need something other than a sports car. 
So my value shifted from driving a Corvette to driving a minivan. And I remember some of my children at the time saying, oh, we'll... Will you drop us off here instead of taking us right up to school because they were embarrassed that we were in a minivan? And yet, my kids grew up, they got married, and guess what they have? They have a minivan. Why? Because they have three children. So the idea that we have a set of beliefs that's pretty much locked in, a set of values that that sh- uh, subtly, a set of values that subtly change over time, beliefs, values, we have a set of attitudes as well. And our attitudes are positive or negative. They give us uh, enthusiasm and excitement, or they give us disappointment. And and our our attitudes shift. And, And frankly, if we think about what attitudes really are, they're mental habits. They're habits. And if we go down a path of being down and frustrated and irritated all the time, guess what happens? That habit forms in your brain and you wake up miserable as opposed to greeting the day with enthusiasm. And that's really the way you want to greet the day with enthusiasm. So beliefs, values, attitudes, a set of goals, a set of goals. Now, they tell us that it's best if you write goals down because written goals and then goals that you share with someone else have a a tendency to come to fruition. You actually achieve things that you tell others about because you're almost making a commitment to yourself and a commitment to them. And they say, how's it going? How are you coming with that little idea that you had that you were going to go into business for yourself or or that idea that you're going to invent something? And when we do that, we're constantly seeking to push ourselves, push ourselves, push ourselves forward. We also have a set of feelings. So I'm going to put that down here like this. Feelings. Now, we have beliefs, values, attitudes, goals, and feelings. Feelings come in two kinds. The first kind is the feelings that we have. Happiness, joy, tenderness, love, frustration, anger, fear. All of those feelings. But there's another kind of feeling. We call it an internal sensation. And the internal sensation is a headache, an upset stomach. Gas, all of those are internal sensations. A toothache, if you've ever had a toothache, it's not a fun time, and it's an internal sensation. Personally, I've had kidney stones. I'm telling you more than you probably want to know, but the kidney stones really do bug you, and they have an internal sensation attached to it. So the first time it happens, you don't know what's happening, but after that, you know it's coming, and you you have to manage it because it's not a fun thing. So with these one, two, three, four, five filters, we call them filters. I'm going to put it right up here like this. These five filters, we have bosses, traffic, weather, music, spouse, our kids, Maybe it's a teacher. These are all external stimulations. You wake up and you say, I've got a meeting this morning and I need to to dress and look sharp. That's an internal, external 
that goes through a set of filters and comes out then in the form of the choices that you're going to be making. So this external stimulation goes through the beliefs, values, attitudes, goals, feelings, those internal sensations that we talked about. So if we take this and we put a neck on it, and we say that if you're having a good day, you get a different outcome than if you're having a bad day. And these external stimulators filter through all of this and come out in the form, according to a Harvard study, they come out in the form of a seven plus or minus two day. Seven plus or minus two day. Now, when you're having a great day, it's seven plus two things that you can handle at any given moment. And it works for you. Phone rings, you answer it. Somebody asks you a question, you can answer it. The sun's shining, it's a great day. Hot dog, I'm having a good day today. You almost feel like supercharged. Let's imagine for a moment that you got a big S on your chest and you got a cape and it's flowing in the wind. And you say, bring it on. I can do this and I can do this well. That's what we do when it's seven plus two. Nine things at a time we can manage. Now let's back up a little and look at seven minus two. That's five things at a time. You get up and you, oh, you don't feel so hot. You didn't sleep as well as you wished you had slept. And so you're a little foggy. And you go, oh, I need a cup of coffee. And so you get a cup of coffee and, and, and you head to work. And oh, I've got so much to do. I, oh, and that, that, that one little project that, that, that really, oh, it's, it's crazy. I should, have, I should have made a list last night. I didn't do it. So you start beating on yourself because of this external stimulation, the fact that you didn't sleep well, the fact that you've got other things that, that, that seem to be going ahead of you, and it's seven minus two, so five things. All of a sudden, you don't have a, an S on your chest. In fact, you don't even have a cape on because it's in a drawer. And your day is not going to be as good as that nine day. So when this is occurring, all of this is happening thousands and thousands and thousands of times at a very fast rate and pace in your brain. And the neurons are firing off and kicking off and doing all sorts of things, helping you make choices and decisions. So what we're going to suggest to you is that this forms for you a behavior. So let's just put that up here. It forms your behavior. And your behavior is always a choice. And when you choose something, when you choose this behavior, you're choosing to either choose a positive behavior or a negative behavior. And so on a nine-day, it's easier to choose constructive behaviors. On a five-day, you're going to possibly don't want to, but you may choose a negative behavior. Now, I bring all of this to your attention for this reason. If you know this about yourself, it goes a long way toward clearly understanding how people are approaching you. They're approaching you with a set of beliefs. They have a set of values. They too have attitudes. They have goals. They have feelings and internal sensations. 
and you don't know what kind of day they've had. If you're in a leadership role, for an example, and you're having a nine day, everybody says, hey, he's in a good mood. But let's say that you come in and you got a scowl on your face and you got your head down. They, oh, we better watch out today. He's not in a very good mood. So people are kind of reading your body language that's based upon all this external stimulation that filters through and comes out in this form, in the form of behavior because of the choices that you're making. That's important to you. It's important to you because if you recognize it in yourself, you can be a better self because you'll make better choices based upon the fact that there's a certain mechanic involved in this. And you have the power. You have the power to make better choices and different choices. And there's a reason that you want to be able to do that. But I want to separate this now, talking about you and me, and talking about that other person, that person that you're going to have to interact with. There's something that we do as humans that if we make a tweak or an adjustment in that, we can do a much better job of interacting with that person and build stronger relationships and build stronger friendships and cooperation between two than you would otherwise. You see, in our world, it's a very competitive place, but competitiveness has been taught to us and we compete all the time. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't know how to compete. I think that's important. And we like to win, but also we're wired for relationships. We're wired to interact with other people. And we really do need each other. We need each other. And the only way that we can really better understand how important it is to recognize that need is to, is to do a little check and say, are my behaviors always competitive? Or are my behaviors a combination of competitiveness when I need to be competitive and cooperative when I need to be cooperative? Because it's extremely important to know that we're wired for relationships. It means we're wired for cooperation. So I'm going to show you something with this little diagram that I think can help you more effectively interact with everyone you need to interact with. And and because we've been stuck in a situation that none of us like very much, because we're used to interacting with people, we're used to seeing them eyeball to eyeball. And now we're doing it with Zoom. Now we're doing it with video. Now we're doing it with in other ways. It would be nice to go back to that, but that might be a while yet. We're not sure. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? But I know this. This is not going to change. You are going to have a set of beliefs, values, attitudes, goals, and feelings. You're going to have behaviors in your life. You're going to be making choices in your life. And by the way, I want to add something here. All of these choices end up with a consequence. And a consequence is simply a consequence. It's not good or bad. It's the outcome. It's what happens when you make a choice. Sometimes you'll say yes, and sometimes you'll say no. Those are decisions. Those are based upon certain things that you want to come out of a particular situation. And that yes or no has a consequence. 
It's a behavioral choice that you made to say no, to take the action to say no, and behavior is always an action, and you're taking the action to say yes, that's a choice, it's going to have a consequence. You hope it's positive, but we don't know. Think of how quickly your world changed in March of this year. It changed rapidly. And that change came out of the blue. It was a surprise for us. But internally, we still had all of this going on. And if you, as an individual, me as an individual, had this going on, recognize that it's going on in someone else as well. And here's what I'm going to ask you to consider. Actually, I'd like you to do it. I'd like you to test drive this, because I believe if you'll test drive it, you'll see a difference. And I'll explain why. We're going to put this person up here. And here's the person right here. And we're going to say that what happens when we end up in a conflict situation, when we're struggling with something, we're having a heated discussion with someone, when their choices, their attitudes, their goals, their, their, their beliefs, their values are different than ours, and, and we are butting heads with someone. We do that because this is like a steel trap at times. This is what goes on in your mind, in your brain. This is what's happening. And if we see this person, we see them and we, we, we look at them and, and we're upset with them. But here's what I'm going to suggest. This right here, this behavior that we've been talking about, I'm going to ask you to separate the person from their behavior. So the person is here and their behavior is here, and you make them separate. Now, why would you do that? Because we are not our behavior. Our behavior is a choice. We are not our behavior. We are not our beliefs, our values, our attitudes, goals. We're not any of those things. All of those are interactions that are going on inside our mind, which is housed in the brain. And so if this person is seen as someone we need to treat with dignity, and then we can disagree, or we can agree, we can agree with their behavior, we've separated the person from their behavior. And by separating them from their behavior, we see a good person who is behaving well or who is not behaving well in our mind. And remember, it's in our mind just as it's in their mind. And <clears throat> this requires you to be able to have enough self-confidence to recognize that you're spending a moment in time with this person and that moment in time is not going to be controlled by you or by that person, but you can affect that moment in time by separating this person from their behavior. As simple as that may sound, it's not easy and it takes practice. So in summary, let me say this. 
if you'll recognize that this is extremely valuable to you in understanding why you do what you do and understand that the same thing is going on with this person and you separate the person from their behavior, you'll see a good person who is behaving either in a positive way or a negative way, in a way you can agree with or disagree with. That can be a real value to building a relationship. Thanks. Hope to see you again. This podcast is produced by talkedits.com. You talk, we'll edit. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. If you want to know more about Tony, visit aimyoursights.com. That's aimyoursights.com. Thanks for listening.